Welcome to the Judge John Hodgman Podcast. I'm bailiff Jesse Thorne. We're in chambers this week, clearing the docket. And with me, as always, is the barbecue king of Brooklyn, New York, (laughs) Judge John Hodgman. That's not anywhere near, well, maybe, no, anywhere near true. (laughs) There's a lot of barbecue. Yeah. As soon as I said that out loud, I remembered that the food trend of Brooklyn eight years ago was barbecue restaurants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They realized that. That if you put a brisket in a smoker for a day, it becomes money. Like it's yeah. just, <laughs> like people in Brooklyn will will line up for days to eat Texas style smoked brisket. And it's not, there are so many places now. It's, there is no barbecue king. This is a barbecue game of thrones over here. <laughs> There's just so many kings. As we record this, we can see each other from across the nation, thanks to the magic of internet. Yeah. And uh, you're wearing a Fox barbecue hat from Atlanta, Georgia. That was a gift to us uh, when we performed in Atlanta. That's right. Our friend Chuck Bryant from the Stuff You Should Know podcast dropped by with some really nice barbecue before our Atlanta show. This is back during the before times when we could meet each other and eat in front of each other. Yeah, and, and hug uh, Chuck Bryant. And hug Chuck Bryant. Well, that's an, and by the way, that's a top, that's one of the top hugs. Yeah, it's a dream hug. And he gave us both Fox Brothers barbecue baseball hats. And I was saying to you before we started recording, I'm quite fond of it, even though it's a low hat. I got I like a hat with a I like a baseball hat with a lot of height. Yeah. I, you know, I grew I a ten gallon baseball hat. Yeah, ten gallon baseball hat. Because unless I've got a high hat on, my hair is limp and it looks painted on. And then my round Charlie Brown face l- looks terrible unless I have a, a little height on my hat and a little length in my beard. And then I finally I have a rectangular face. You're a very handsome guy, John. You, hey, you know what? You're very handsome. Jennifer Marmer, I can see you as well. Look, physical beauty is nothing compared to who we are inside, especially now that I've been eating so much Biscoff butter. You know about, <laughs> you know about Biscoff butter, you guys? that's like a cookie spread yeah yeah remember when we used to be able to fly around the country to go places and sure yeah and sometimes on the airplane especially if you flew delta which i did they'd hand you european biscoff cookies well sure they're tasty cookies yeah turns out they sell it as a butter jennifer marmer did you know that she's nodding nodding, yes we would look if it weren't for what's going on in the world i would never have been able to see jennifer marmer nod so that's a that's a plus (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> anyway a lot of biscoff butter in our house right now jesse it's so nice to it's so nice to see you and to talk to you because as of this day this recording we the judge john hodgman podcast program is a webby award winner congratulations we- to we <laughs> congratulations to we all of us and uh, thank you very much to you the Webbies and to you listeners and litigants and expert guests and supporters and guest bailiffs and everyone else and sponsors. I ha- I happened to have a different teleconference during the Webby Awards. So, <laughs> so I had to send in Tom Hanks to accept it for me. Oh, that would have been a sure. great gag. Why didn't I think about that? I couldn't get Tom Hanks, but I, I bet you I could have gotten Nick Offerman to do it. Yeah. Oh, shoot. Well, maybe next year. But meanwhile, Jesse Thorne... I'm here in my chambers. I'm crawling out of this huge swag bag that the Webbies sent me. <laughs> Did you get one? 
I no, I didn't get a swag bag. Uh, I'm, I'm so mad at them. I mean, the web the Webby gift bag. You know, they talk about the Oscar gift bag being pretty luxe, but the Webby gift bag is amazing because you know the Webbies are the internet's the internet's premier award, founded in 1996. So they sent me this huge bag, and guess what's in it? Flues, the internet currency. <laughs> Good pull. Good pull. <laughs> Thank you. Courtesy of fogdog.com. There you go. Oh, man, that brings me back. I was going to start with a case of Jolt and a case of Surge, plus a Motorola mm-hmm. StarTac, mm-hmm. an original gold beta CD-ROM of Duke Nukem 3D, <laughs> a crate of 200 random, this is weird that it was random, random print edition issues of PC World magazine. Mm-hmm. A DVD copy of Sandra Bullock's The Net, delivered by Cosmo.com. Didn't know they were still around. Wow. And this is, a th- I mean, this thing is collectible. This is the original Pets.com sock puppet. Wow. Yeah. And, and did it come with Michael Ian Black? It just his hand. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> I'm going to send Michael a note and let him know if cauterization is on us. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really... It's it's a little gruesome, honestly, but it's uh, but collectible. I think I think the fact is he wouldn't give it up. Yeah, do you know what I mean? And honestly, yeah. n- knowing Michael Ian Black a little bit, wonderful guy, really nice man. But if he still had that sock puppet and they came for it, I think he wouldn't give it up. I think he'd fight for it. Yeah, they'd have to yeah. tie, they'd have to hold him down, take it off yeah. by force. All, all I got in mind was just one copy of Computer Currents magazine. Mm-hmm. But I've been dialing in to BBSs all day. <laughs> what was your first email address? Do you remember? I don't remember what it was, but I went to this like fancy, very fa- I was the scholarship kid, I should be clear, at a very fancy private middle school mm-hmm. that had internet and email before the web. Yeah. So this would be 19, I got my first email address in 1992. Uh, and uh, had we had to use... Pine. Do you remember something called Pine? I do. I remember that. I remember that. Pine, and then you could dial into the school and connect with your modem. Yeah. And then uh, uh, you could get on Pine, and then you could send messages to the other sixth graders. That was the only people you knew that had email addresses at the time was your fellow sixth graders. Yeah. My first email address was assigned to me in college and i think it was a series of numbers it looks like a auto-generated password that uh, that google would make for you now it's like random numbers some of our listeners don't know where you went to college but you went to the university of prodigy at, <laughs> that's right at dear old CompuServe you <laughs> and uh the only person i knew who had an address was my my oldest friend in the world damon graf who i've known since we were three so I sent him two messages and got two back. But then I got internet in my room in college at the dorm, and I've told the story before. I was just sitting in my room quietly, hunting and pecking at my Macintosh SE, and mm-hmm. I heard a, a, a faint scratching, not even a knock, a scratching on my door. And I opened it, and the, and the, and the tall, impossibly skinny wraith of a dude 
who I knew was the inter the computer guy, the computer enthusiast in the dorm, said, would you like to have the internet on your room? I'm like, yeah, okay. And he ran a, a cord in and he put it into my computer and he showed me how to dial up bulletin boards and stuff. And it was all print, obviously. No, no, this was, this would have been 1992, right? It was all print, no visuals whatsoever. And the t first two things I found were a group having a heated discussion as to whether or not uh, Harrison Ford's character in Blade Runner was an android or a human. Mm -hmm. Fights about that. Sure. Right. And then the other thing I just found was just people trading prose erotica. I was like, <laughs> oh, and the internet has never changed. It's exactly that still. <laughs> people fighting over nerd stuff. <laughs> and uh, hugging and kissing. But thank you, the Webbies. Thank you, Webby Awards. It's, I mean, it's, it's just, you know, this is a... I, I was quite surprised. I mean, I was surprised to learn we were nominated and very surprised to learn we, we won. And in particular, in this context of where we are in the world today, just every little bit helps. It really really lightened my day. And um, it's, all, it's always good to know that you beat Will Ferrell at something. Yeah. And thanks, obviously, to all of the listeners who, who uh, expressed their support on the Webby's website. Did you know that the Webby's have a website? Yeah. Yeah. Website.com, I think. Web, website. What do you think is on website.com? We'll talk about We'll get to justice in one second, but I got I to gotta know. Website.com. Yeah. Guess what? You can create a website. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. The only uh, website our listeners should be visiting besides MaximumFun.org is Zombo.com. That's advice from me in 1999 to you now, 21 years later. It's uh -huh. still rolling. Zombo.com. Uh -huh. Let's get into some justice, John. Here's something from Brian. He says, my wife, Samantha, never caps pens or clicks them closed. This dries them out, and then I have to throw them away. She claims it makes them easier to access. I feel uncapping a pen takes milliseconds at most. I would like you to order an injunction stipulating my wife is only allowed to leave her pens uncapped and for my pens to be left capped when not in use. Can we go back to talking about Zombo.com? This guy's upset because his pens are dry. Yeah, All right. his pens are dry. I oh, probably got some stray marks to deal with as well. I, this is a this is clearly a felt tip sitch, right? It must be because I don't think the roller balls are are drying out to an appreciable extent. Certainly not to the extent that they have to be discarded. Right? Are these like dry erase markers? That's the ones that really dry out. <laughs> they do. That's right there in the name. What kind of pen yeah. do you use around the house or in the office? When you're writing by hand, what do you use? What, it doesn't have to be a pen. It could be a crayon, a pencil. I have a couple of uh, uh, nice pens that I like to use. Uh -huh, go on. I like a Coico Sport, which is uh, uh, an affordable, compact fountain pen. Oh. I like that a lot. I have a fancy fountain pen, uh, too, that I got through menswear connections long ago uh -huh. but the main the and the Coico sport is a great is a great pen a cartridge fountain pen it the there's plastic ones that cost like twenty dollars and then i think mine is brass and it costs a, a little more than that but not much more 
But the pen that I use on a day-to-day basis is the one that was recommended to me by uh, Vol, you know, as we've talked about many, many times on Judge John Hodgman, Wirecutter, yeah. which is a Uniball Signo. Oh. And uh, it's a very nice pen. It writes beautifully and very affordable. My wife, who is a high school teacher, likes a fountain pen. I find them to be too scratchy. Hmm. But that's just a matter of taste. And then she also likes uh, those pens that are like really fi- like fine-tipped. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if, they're f- if there's felt up there or I don't think a ball could be that small. It likes, it's like writing with the, edge of, uh, the end of a needle. Do you know that kind of yes. pen? Yes, I know exactly the kind of pen you're talking about. Also yeah. very scratchy to me. I like a smooth thing. So I, I treated myself recently to a box of Pilot G2s one millimeters, which are the bold. And those were always my go-to, but I think I got a dud box because these are not good enough. These aren't these aren't laying down the ink I like. I like a nice bold wow. thing. Yeah, well, you're a bold man. Yeah, I am bold. Right, so in any case, this, uh, yeah, um, Samantha doesn't cap the pens. They dry out. He has to throw them away. She doesn't cap them because she claims this makes them easier to access. I don't know, Samantha. Come on. I mean, <laughs> that's kind of a crummy excuse. Like, there's, it's, hard, it's hard to justify not capping a pen. It's a pretty easy thing to do. And, you know, maybe when we lived in an age of true abundance when we could uh, we could go go out to the stationery store or press a button on the internet we were talking about earlier, head over to Zombo.com and get a pen delivered to your door within five seconds, you might be able to justify just like rolling through pens, the sheer wasteful materialism of rolling through pens that you can't bother to recap. But there's nothing good about the situation we're in except a moment of reflection to say, oh, I should be more mindful of the resources that I use. Don't let your pens dry out, Samantha. That's what I say. Keep them closed. Preserve what you got. Don't let it slip through your fingers. Am I right or am I wrong, Jesse Thorne? You're absolutely right. And frankly, I don't think they're probably drying out all that much, but I do think that they almost certainly are leaving stray marks. (laughs) <laughs> and I cannot abide by stray marks. Do you know in the original draft of Edward Scissorhands, it was uh, Edward Felttip Hands? <laughs> no, I did not know that. Because in the actual movie, he's a rollerball. Is that correct? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Leaving stray marks. Stray marks. I don't like Cynthia. felt. I don't like felt. By the way, I'm just going to say this. I don't like felt-tip pens either. Wow. How do you feel what about, about a permanent marker? I love a Sharpie. Yeah. I do love a Sharpie. It's very satisfying to be able to write on anything. You feel like a king. That's right. Or feel, a monarch. feel like a, a barbecue king of Brooklyn. All right. What does Cynthia have to say? I'd like to have the judge preside over a pressing household issue regarding wearing shorts during winter inside the house. My husband starts wearing them in January. <laughs> we live in New York. Jesse, sartorial klaxon. You, yes. know, you know about how men dress up. Yeah, I do. Shorts in the house. 
When is it okay, in your opinion? John. Yeah. Everyone has their own path through the world. Mm -hmm. Each one among us makes our own choices. What have you done with my bailiff? We each live with the consequences of those choices. Yes. And some people love to wear shorts. Mm-hmm. My college roommate, Mike, mm-hmm. did not own pants. Mm. Now, he was and is a powerfully built, uh, relatively short Filipino man. Mm-hmm. And had spectacular calves. I know you're quite proud of your calves, John, and rightly so. I'm arguably the calf king of Brooklyn, that I could say for sure. Mike Manuel, the calf king of Hayward, California, fair, had beautiful calves and, and wore his shorts well. And his mom had to buy him a pair of pants when he went home for a wedding or something. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But through the winter of Santa Cruz, California, he, he wore shorts even in the rain. Mm-hmm. But he was a, he was, I mean, John, what do you think I think about this? <laughs> I think, put some pants on. It's not so bad to wear pants. <laughs> it's fine to wear pants. <laughs> it's perfectly fine to wear pants. I do not understand this compulsive need to this like oh if if i wear pants oh 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 my calves will be too hot <laughs> look if it's really hot outside and you're walking around outside wear shorts i have shorts i live in los angeles it's hot in the summer i hate the heat i wear shorts i'm not nuts about it but i do it <laughs> But it's not going to kill you to wear pants. <laughs> Listening to you tr- work really hard at being tolerant and accepting of other people's leg covering when this is truly your area of expertise. It was a, it was fun. It was a little upsetting. As I said, I don't know whether that was Coco or Sissy in the background barking, but clearly your dogs <laughs> were upset about this. So like what, what is, who is, what, what has happened to my master? Who is this John, odd person who has replaced him? Here's what happened. I'm thinking about the cargo shortsmen in my life. Yes. And how much I love them. I'm thinking about Chuck Bryant. Chuck Bryant. A cargo shorts enthusiast. I'm thinking about Justin McElroy. Yep. Who I'm sure Justin McElroy's worn cargo shorts in the snow. And God bless him. I love Justin McElroy. Yeah, of A course. brilliant man, a wonderful talent, a handsome guy, a charmer, a delight, and at home, in his cargo shorts. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to prevent anyone from living their life their way, but I can say it's not a choice that I would make, John. It's not a choice that I would make. I have feelings about this because, you know, we're living in a difficult time. I am currently wearing track pants. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can only see you from the waist up. I'd like to see you in a in a full tracksuit. Mandelbaum, Mandelbaum, Mandelbaum. <laughs> I mean, there was a time on this podcast that I said, if you know, if you were wearing 
elastic waist pants in a non-athletic situation that you are you are committing a crime against your adulthood because you were de- devolving into baby form i had a pair of track pants when this started and i realized that i was going to be eating a lot of biscoff butter and i also realized i needed some what paul f tompkins and janie hadhead tompkins co-host of the great stay f homekins podcast what they call soft clothes what others call loungewear or athleisure because i was just going to be around the house a lot and i needed to i needed to build in a lot of napping to cope with this so not only did i start wearing track pants more i bought extra pairs of them for the first time in my life i bought sweatpants and i'll wear them around the house I'll tell you what, though, they're not shorts. <laughs> Drew the line. Yeah. Drew the line. John, I own, I own sweatpants. I wear them around the house. Yeah. Soft clothes. Soft clothes around the house. Oh, it's just so nice. I love to feel my shapely muscular calves comforted and consoled by the soft heather gray of some Adidas track pants. I don't want them flopping around. That said, we're all doing the best we can. I appreciate that this is not a new habit for Cynthia's partner. This is something that probably goes back years and years back when before we're at home all the time, if we're, if we're lucky enough to be able to do so. So I will say that as long as we are safer at home, observing stay at home recommendations, orders, regulations, whatever they are in whatever state or County you live in, I'll give anybody a pass for anything that they want to wear at home. I put on shirts the other day and I was so, I was so, so surprised and grateful that I could still fit into them. Boy, oh boy. Cause it's hot. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I think I share your, a baseline dislike. I think of grown men wearing shorts as basic wardrobe, unless they are living in a, tropical environment like atlanta georgia i'll give i'll give uh, chuck a pass on that Atlanta summers you don't want to mess with those huntington west virginia home of justin McElroy. yeah hey we're in california culturally there are different places where you can wear shorts all the time inside and out yeah all filipinos get a pass from me shorts and flip-flops yeah i would not wear shorts to a cocktail party unless it was summertime and outside and hot Otherwise, I would wear pants. It's The thing of it is, the thing I'm getting hung up on here, Jesse, I realize, is that there is a certain kind of guy in the Northeast and in New England, oh, yeah. a region of five states and one commonwealth in, the, in, the, in southeastern Canada, where, where guys will wear shorts inside during the winter and outside during the winter. And that is wow. something I do not care to see. The guys who are wandering around Greenfield, Massachusetts in December or February in shorts, they tend to seem to be at the end of a long, sad story. <laughs> <laughs> walking, down the, walking down the middle of a, not the middle of the road, but walking down a, side, a sidewalk in a, in a car travel town like Greenfield, walking and wearing shorts 
out of a bar. That's what I associate wearing shorts in the winter with. And it's not, I don't know what, what these guys are going through. I don't know why they like it. But, it, but it tends to be guys that I think are going to dislike me and say mean things to me in my historic growing up in New England. So I don't want to put that on Cynthia's husband. If he needs to wear shorts inside during the winter, especially now, I'm going to grant him a, a stay of judgment. But if he's wearing those shorts outside during the winter, no, come on, dress appropriately for the weather. Let's take a quick break. A dispute with song is coming up on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Welcome back to the Judge John Hodgman podcast. We're clearing the docket this week, and we have something from Sylvie. Dear Judge Hodgman, please help me. My husband, Trevor, is a sponge lever. We live in an apartment with no dishwasher, and we love to cook, so we generate a lot of dishes. When my husband washes the dishes, he inevitably leaves the wet, sudsy sponge in the sink where it festers, mildews, and mingles with whatever bits of food get rinsed off of incoming dishes. It's intolerably disgusting to go to wash up and find a cold, wet, smelly, dirty sponge in the sink. Jesse, Jesse, let me just pause you there for one second to point out. This is the part of the letter. You know, you send in your submissions to MaximumFun.org slash JJHO, or simply write Hodgman at MaximumFun.org. I get all the submissions, I get all the letters, and I read them, I read them all. I try to respond to all of them. And chances are, if you have not heard back from me, it's because I have filed it over to Jennifer Marmer to consider for the docket or for the live litigant cases or whatever. And you'll hear back from us that way. But I have been getting disputes from people fighting about how to do the dishes for every week for 10 years. It is such a common dispute and one that I vowed privately that I would never hear again on the Judge Shanandran podcast in any form. Docket, Swift Justice, Live Litigant, whatever it is. It's, it's settled. It's dumb. But then I read this next sentence. 
and I decided we had to hear this one. Please continue. I have begged and pleaded and even composed a shaming song about the travails of being a sponge lever's wife. Having observed my father-in-law's treatment of sponges, I suspected his behavior might be genetic, but I beg for intervention nonetheless. I would like you to order my husband to wring out the sponge and put it on the side of the sink to dry after each use. A shaming song must be heard, I decided. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. So I asked Sylvie, well, I'll hear your case if you record the shaming song and send it in. And I believe... She did. Is that correct? Jennifer Marmer says yes from her home in Los Angeles. All right. Uh, you, want, you want to play that song for us, Jen? Thumbs up from Jennifer Marmer. Oh, hard is the life of a sponge lever's wife. When he <laughs> leaves the sponge in the sink. It never will dry, and she always will cry. For a sponge lever, sponge always stings. Yes, a sponge lever, sponge always stings. <laughs> Holy cow, Jack. Wow. I had so not- he's got some pipes. I had not listened to it until that moment. I refused to listen to it. She can really sing. That had some major, like, may the circle be unbroken vibes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She can really sing. Boy, oh boy. If I were Trevor, I wouldn't only be extremely excited to have this person in my life and listen to what they have to say about basic sync hygiene. I'd be a little scared. Be a little scared that if I don't do the right thing, I'm going to be thrown out of a pickup truck or something. You know? The hay wagon, maybe? Yeah, maybe a hay wagon. Something, I'm thinking something Little House on the Prairie-ish. Yeah. Uh, Sylvie also shared a a photo. She made reference to how her father-in-law, Trevor's father, also is a gross spongeman. And she sent a photo that I will never allow to be posted on the Judge John Hodgman Instagram. (laughs) Because it is a real-time photo from her father-in-law's house of a sponge sitting on top of the sink with a raw turkey neck on it. On the sponge. Oh. Oh. Like he was taking the giblets out of a turkey for a holiday dinner. And just sort of like randomly place the turkey neck and the bag of giblets onto the sponge. And later, Trevor, at the same meal, brushed his teeth and spat into the sink and spat on the sponge, too, on the turkey neck sponge. Turkey neck sponge, by the way, being one of my favorite bands from the 90s. So, yeah, Trevor and his dad have problems understanding. We have enough contagion in this world right now. You don't need to be spitting on or or necking up a sponge. Rinse it out with hot water. Put it on something that will allow air circulation underneath it. And listen to your wife when she sings to you. I don't understand, Trevor. Just get a brush. How about that? What's your, what's your uh, dish cleaning implement of choice, Jesse Thorne? 
I use a brush. I use a brush with a handle on it so that I don't have to get my hands all up. Something imported from Japan, I presume. Yeah, it's the one the wire cutter recommends. Yeah, right. (laughs) It works great. I'm not joking. It really is. I, you know, you can run it through the dishwasher once in a while. If you have a dishwasher, I do yeah, that. That's a good thing. I like, I like the plastic bristle brush. You know, this reminds me of the the wonderful comedian Todd Todd Glass. I don't know if you've ever met Todd. Glass. I have met Todd Glass, and I'll tell you what, he's wonderful. One of the great comedians here in the great city of Los Angeles. Uh, a delight of a man with many strong and carefully observed convictions. Um, and in in his most recent special, or perhaps the one that preceded it. Uh, he had these theories about how he grew up a uh, very lower middle class and he has these theories about what poor people and rich people do. Mm-hmm. And the ones that I think about all the time are poor people back into parking spaces, mm-hmm. which I don't even know if that's true. I don't know if it's true, but the specificity of it mm-hmm. is dazzling to mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Rich people never leave their dish soap on top of the sink. They just leave it in the sink? They put it on, no, they put it under the sink. Oh, I see what you mean. Right, right, right. Yeah, they don't, it's never out. Right, you got it, right. Unless dishes are being done. Right. Uh, I would say I'm a Adobe spongeman myself. I like Adobe. Not Adobe, not Adobe Flash, the, the, the web add-on. Not Larry Doby, the first African-American player in the American League. No. Um, I'm talking about Adobe sponge. It's a scrub sponge. I like that one the best. Hmm. And you know what? I, I, uh, I have a, I have a pump on my sink. Oh, sure. So I fill it up with the, with the Dawn or Palm Olive or whatever. I'm moving between the worlds that Todd Glass has outlined. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, that's our, that's our lot as entertainers. (laughs) That's right. We travel between worlds. Right. We, even though we are. Let's face it, probably the biggest celebrities in the world now that we are Webby award-winning podcasters. Yeah, I mean, we are Zombo.com level celebs. Right, we still have to be approachable, relatable, and convince people we're just like them. All right, here's something from Mike. I'm writing to request an immediate injunction against my friends Mitch, Brendan, Matt, and Rebecca. They're quarantined separately, but play the video game StarCraft with each other online. They're, I should clarify here. This is just me interjecting something. They're quarantined in the year 2004. <laughs> I've never played the game and have no desire to play, but they've included me in a group text that they use exclusively to talk about and set up games. I've tried replying with gross pictures of rotten food and Pete Rose's underwear ads. <laughs> I did not know the hit king made underwear ads. That is not appealing. He's not known for his, his grace and beauty. More for his pugnacious t- tenacity and, and uh, betting on his own team. But they still won't remove me from the text. I would like to petition the court to order them to remove me from the text chain. I'm sorry, Jesse. My attention was diverted for a moment while I looked up Pete Rose underwear ads. And boy, oh boy. This is, a po- this is an image that we are definitely... <laughs> Definitely holy, posting holy to the Instagram. Cow. Wait. Until, well, look at Steve Carlton. Yeah. Look so at the, what he's wearing. Oh, my goodness. This, this is an ad from 1977. Is this like a singlet that Steve Carlton is wearing? Yeah. Well, it's a it's a nylon A-shirt and brief. 
Okay, so it's a combo. There's a there's a seam there. <laughs> Jockey it was like a wrestling. Jockey Holy International, boy. the un, the un, the underwear brand from Kenosha, Wisconsin, did an <laughs> ad campaign in magazines in 1977 called "Take Away Their Uniforms and Who Are They?" And they have a bunch of famous athletes of 1977 wearing just their underwear, and it is alarming, both in the in the un the sort of unapologetic lumpy manness of all of these <laughs> athletes in this beautiful 70s style way of hairiness and weirdness and asymmetry and also the the underwear styles jim hart <laughs> is wearing a jim hart of the st louis cardinals wearing a life a shirt and a slim guy boxer jojo white of the boston celtics wearing a, an elance brief but this is the best part <laughs> Pete Rose of the Cincinnati Reds. Do you know what? Do you know what his style of jockey underwear is called? You see it there? <laughs> yeah, I do. International scants. S K A N T S. International scants. Ken Anderson of the Cincinnati Bengals is just wearing like exercise type stuff. Yeah, a, a low rise sports short. He he looks pretty good. And Jim Palmer is a gorgeous man. I mean, you can see looking, even though he's wearing the international scamp Tropex brief, wait, Trope brief, <laughs> T-R-O-P-E-Z. Sorry, it's small on the screen here. Uh, even though he's wearing a ridiculous like string bikini, yeah. uh, Jim Palmer looks pretty good, but that's because Jim Palmer is a, a, a remarkably handsome man. Almost none of the other, outside of being professional a- athletes, none of these other men were selected for their good looks. And you can see why Jim Palmer was an underwear spokesperson for like a decade after this. Uh, and all the rest of these guys just went back to uh, playing guard being, for the Boston Celtics. Right. Being incredible athletes. Yeah. Betting on baseball. Jennifer Marmer, I'm texting you this image now for you to post on the Instagram until we receive a cease and desist order from Jockey, Pete Rose, or all of culture. And, and for some reason, we have set up the precedent that we can now see you, but we cannot hear you. So I would like to, I would just like to watch your face as you open this file. Steve Carlton has the look on his face like, what? Underwear? I'm a dang pitcher. Jennifer Marmer is looking at the image now. And I would just say that a, a, a look of sort of despair has crossed her face not not disgust it's just like a deep a deep sigh an exhalation of resignation i think the most interesting thing about pete rose is that this is you know this has to be the late 70s 77 and pete rose appears to have a a quarantine haircut. Yeah. He seems to have given himself that haircut. Yeah, he is a true... The Pete Rose... I don't know a lot about sports, but I knew enough about Pete Rose to know that the, the I would not be surprised by seeing his odd bowl cut. I am surprised to see every other part of his body in significant detail. Well, anyway, back to the case. Um, if this Pete Rose underwear ad has not gotten them to take you off the text thread yet they will never do it mike they're obviously trying to annoy you at this point 
And there must be a technological solution. You, you have to be able to block that thread, I would think, without blocking the, all the individual persons. I will do what you ask. I will order Mitch, Brendan, Matt, and Rebecca to take you off the thread. I know they will not. And if they continue to harass you in this way, I don't know what, what solution is there, Jesse Thorne? Do you have one for Mike? I think they should just loop me in on this. I just, I'm, I'm not really on any group text messages. I always feel kind of left out when people talk about them. I just, just my wife's family have one. Yeah. It's just them liking pictures of each other's children. That's a good solution. Mike, if you hear the sound of my voice now or in the future, write me at Hodgman at MaximumFun.org. And if you can add me to that text thread, do so. And then when I hear from them again, I will yell at them directly. And then I will block you all and throw my phone into a lake of fire. Someone push my door open. Oh, sorry. I didn't see. Oh, <laughs> meanwhile, sissy, the dog has come in to lick Jesse's nose. I think this is probably a good time for a nose lick break. When we come back, we'll hear a case from a former litigant about her weird dad. Plus a note from my old daily show pal, Rob Riggle about a daily show memory that I discussed on a past episode. So come on back and hear more of Judge John Hodgman after this brief nose lick break. You're listening to Judge John Hodgman. I'm bailiff Jesse Thorne. Of course, the Judge John Hodgman podcast always brought to you by you, the members of MaximumFun.org. Thanks to everybody who's gone to MaximumFun.org slash join. And you can join them by going to MaximumFun. .org/join. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Babbel. Okay, it's 2024, 2024. Oh, if hindsight were 2020, I I don't know what I would have done differently. All I know is that I'm taking every day in this year and trying to get better a little bit every day. That's what you do. That's the way progress is made, step by step, day by day, bird by bird, and that's the way it is when you're learning anything, especially a new language with Babbel. And if Babbel can help you start speaking language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in the rest of this whole year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars to private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts, real human beings, to help you start speaking a new language in as little as one, two, three weeks. Studies from Michigan State University Yale University, and others continue to prove that Babbel is better. And that's not just the Yale football team putting their thumb on the scale because they love learning Indonesian from Babbel. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Take that, Yale, I guess. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but this is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash Hodgman. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Aura, A-U-R-A. It's a simple but meaningful gift that you can give your mom or your dad or your step-grandparent or your uncle or your friend or anyone that you want to keep connected in your life who might not live near you. It's a digital picture frame from Aura. 
It's perfect for sharing pics of all the things that those friends can't be there for, from family vacations to grandkids' graduation to whatever. I have one of these, and I got one for my dad, and I got one for my mother-in-law, and it's amazing. We look at the photos all day long, and we're able to easily update their Aura frames so they see all the latest pictures from our lives as well. It comes with unlimited storage, simple controls on the frame. You can upload as many photos as you want, and your mom or your dad or your stepdad or your stepmom or your friend or whatever can pick the perfect one. And it takes only about two minutes to set up, seriously. See why it was named the number one digital frame by Wirecutter, uh, The Strategist, and Wired Magazine. Right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code Hodgman. That's A-U-R-A frames.com, promo code Hodgman. Terms and conditions apply. We're back with the Judge Sean Hodgman podcast. Jesse can't talk right now because now another dog has gotten into his office. Coco the dog. Sissy pushed my office door open and then she came in and sat on my lap. But then Coco was jealous, so she came in and sat on my lap. But Coco's not a nose looker. She's just resting her head on my shoulder. I'm pretty excited about this case from Melissa. Let's hear it. I seek justice against my father, the Zero Coke guy, Ah! for another issue. (laughs) I hadn't thought about the Zero Coke guy in a while. That was a guy who drank Coke Zero, but always called it Zero Coke. Yeah. Like most weird dads on the program, he did this specifically to annoy his child, Melissa, in this case. (laughs) Now, apparently he has not learned his lesson, so Melissa's back. What's the beef now with weird dad? I'm staying with my parents right now due to the pandemic. I brought home a bunch of food from my Brooklyn apartment and told them I'm happy to share. One of the things I brought with me is a jar of Italian pistachio spread, Mm. which is a gift my parents gave to me. This stuff is incredibly delicious, and I'm slowly making my way through the jar, wanting to savor it as long as possible. I've noticed my dad eating it on a few occasions in the past couple of weeks, and asked him nicely to please not eat it all up, since it was a present from him to me. He argued, all food in the house is now fair game. (laughs) And since he paid for it, he's allowed to eat it. Two classic dad arguments. Pure classic dad arguments. Please order my weird dad to stop eating the present he got me before it's all gone. (sighs) Do you have something in your pantry currently, Jesse, that because of what's going on in the world or just general scarcity, like you're, you're, you're enjoying it a little bit at a time, hoping that no one comes in and eats it all? Yeah, and it's something that I theoretically got as a present for my wife. Oh. That you got as a present for Teresa. I claimed that it was a gift for Teresa, but in fact, I knew that it was secretly as much a gift for me as for my wife. Tell me, what is it? It's Luxardo cherries. Ooh, Luxardo cherries. Luxardo cherries. They're the fancy kind of maraschino cherry. Uh, and Ben Harrison, yeah. our, our Max Fun colleague, uh, the host of The Greatest Generation, among other podcasts. Yes. Uh, he, won, he is a real cocktail nut, very uh-huh. serious cocktail nut. Right. And uh, one day he told me, what are, you, 
what are you doing eating regular maraschino cherries? You should be getting the Luxardos. Mm-hmm. I said, Luxardos, give me a break. How much better could a Luxardo be? Maraschino cherries are maraschino cherries. You had one Shirley Temple, you've had them all. It turns out Luxardo cherries are incredible. Yeah. But they cost like $20 a jar. Yep. <laughs> yep. So <laughs> you really have to plan out your, your eating. You can't just sit there and eat them. Look, we live in a time right now where we are reminded that a lot of the world doesn't have access to whatever they want, whenever they want. It's a good reminder. Like Brian and his wife, his wife, Samantha, who just thinks that uh, there's an endless sea of felt tips for her to dry out. And I, I don't know how long it's going to take for this jar of Luxardo cherries that I'm ordering for, for you, Jesse, right now. I don't know how long it's going to take to get to you. It could be weeks. But I am thrilled to send you some Luxardo cherries as a tribute to our friendship. And I am also thrilled to offer to Melissa to send her a jar, a big old nice jar of pistachio cream. I don't even know what it is. I'll look it up. Melissa, email me. Let me know the the brand of pistachio butter you want. I'm going to send it to you. It's going to be for you only. And your dad, zero Coke dad, cannot have any of it. And my only, <laughs> my only stipulation, I'm going to send you two jars. One for you to hide and have later on your own when you want. And one for you to only eat in front of him. Because guess what, Zero Coke guy? (laughs) This is a great time to be generous. It's a terrible time to be a weird dad playing mind games so that he can steal stuff from his own daughter. Be generous of spirit, thought, and action right now if you can help it. Don't steal people's pistachio mousse. or I don't even know what it is. What would you even have it on? Maybe I'll get some too. Yeah, I kind of want some. <laughs> All right, I'm going to send you a gift box. Maraschino cherries. <laughs> Maraschino cherries and uh, pistachio uh, uh, pate. Jennifer Marmer, anything you need? She says no. no she says no. All right. I got to send her something to make up for this picture that I sent to her of Pete Rose and his international scants. <laughs> So we heard from a few listeners in response to episode 461, The Ballad of Sylvia, Fernando, and the Cat. We talked about the order of putting on socks and shoes, which led John to talk about a time he noticed that Rob Riggle put on his shoes before putting on his pants. Rob at the time had said that it was a Marines thing. Yes, Rob is a a vet. He's a veteran of the United States Marines. Well, we asked Rob to elaborate on that, and he sent us this message. <clears throat> hey, John Hodgman, my friend, my good friend. Hey, listen, I, <laughs> uh, I heard you recant the tale of me putting on socks and shoes before I put on my pants during our days in, at the Daily Show, um, and somehow this stuck out to you. I guess I claimed it was a Marine thing. Listen, I claim a lot of things are Marine things when I do something unusual, and people generally give me a wide berth with that. However, <laughs> there is some, some truth to the madness, I guess. Um, listen, 
it's it's much easier to go into battle with no pants on than it is with no shoes on. Uh, it's a simple mobility thing. You know, if you've got to run across rough terrain, rough ground, rocks, glass, um, all kind, all kinds of metal, scrap metal, um, you, you need to be able to run. Um, if you get a few cuts on your legs, whatever, big deal, but, uh, you got to be able to move. Mobility is key. So that's why, uh, when you have to prioritize in dressing, you get on your shoes first, then the, then the rest, because you never know, uh, when you're going to have to move out. It's just an old, it's just an old rule. No big deal. Um, and that's, uh, that's what I recall. I hope you're well, brother. I guess that makes a lot of sense. And I remember him sort of explaining that to me at the time. And I can't see what Pete Rose is wearing in this photo, but I bet he probably put on his <laughs> socks and shoes first, too, because you never know when you might have a baseball emergency, you might be sent out onto the field wearing only your scants. So you think he's probably wearing some, like, filed metal cleats. Yeah. No, I'm sure he's wearing baseball shoes and socks, just in case. <laughs> At all times, at all times. Now, I took, I was, I was reassured that my memory was not completely broken when Rob, my, 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 my friend, my old friend, as he pointed out so pointedly, uh, when Rob sent me this message, but I did not discount the possibility that not only did he lie to me back then when he did it about this being a Marine tradition, but that he might be lying to me still just to make fun of me on my own podcast. Very, very possible. Love you, Rob. Yeah. But he's a joker. Luckily, a listener named Zach also wrote in independently, uh, claiming that he had also been in the armed services and confirming what Rob had said to me. And he added another detail regarding dress uniforms. Jesse, would you read that, please? It's also worth noting that while wearing dress uniforms, shirt stays were used to keep the dress shirt taut and wrinkle-free while being worn. These are attached at the bottom of the shirt and at the top of the socks. So one had to put their socks and shirt on before their slacks. That's like an, it's like an elastic band that attaches to the top of the socks and the bottom of the shirt. Oh. And that keeps the socks up and the shirt down. That's amazing. I want that. Yeah, well... It's available to you. And just go just go to your, uh, what are those called? CPOs? What if I wear shorts over them? Would that be appropriate? <laughs> if I wore dress shoes, dress socks, a dress shirt, and Bermuda and military sh dress shorts? And military dress shorts with the shirt stays coming down the side of my beautiful calves. A bonus note, says Zach, it was common practice among my peers and I that you had both boots on before you tied them, as it's much easier to run to action with two untied boots than it is with only one tied boot. Well, there you go. Thank you very much, Zach and Rob, for confirming my faulty memory and providing some insight. John, I think we've come to the end of this episode of Judge John Hodgman. You know how I can tell? Because Coco the dog is sitting on your lap saying it's time to go. Uh, yeah, she said uh, she said it was time to go using a power of a dog's body that, while completely silent, can be heard by all in the room through their nose. If you know 
the power that I'm talking about that dogs have that symbolizes that you should get in a different chair or go to another room. All right, Jesse's got to give his chair up for Coco. Let's get us out of here. The docket is clear. That's it for another episode of Judge John Hodgman. Our producer is Jennifer Marmer. Follow us on Twitter at Jesse Thorne and at Hodgman. We're on Instagram at Judge John Hodgman. Make sure to hashtag your Judge John Hodgman tweets, hashtag JJHO. And check out the Maximum Fun subreddit to discuss this episode. That's at MaximumFun.reddit.com. Submit your cases at MaximumFun.org slash JJHO or email Hodgman at MaximumFun.com. Org. Since we won that Webby, I want to offer a special thank you, not only to our capable producer, Jennifer Marmer, uh, but our other producers who have worked on the program, Jesus Ambrosio and Hannah Smith, and especially to uh, what I have decided uh, her title is our founding producer, Julia Smith, uh, who put in many years of work to make this show uh, what it is. And we're very grateful for Julia's efforts. Here, um, here. Uh, uh, along with everybody who's who's worked on our show, uh, we're very proud. A lot of the greats, a lot of uh, uh, Mark McConville, Matt Gorley, oh, Mark McConville, and Mar- Matt Gorley, of course. Yeah, they were thanks the, to them. The Pistol Shrimps radio show stars used to yeah used to cut tape for Judge John Hodgman. Yeah, uh, and yes, I also echo your thanks for everyone who's worked on the show and Julia especially. Thank. you. We'll talk to you next time on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.